is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For this episode, I chat with Michael Mott, and we cover a little bit of everything from his writing process to getting unstuck and Billy Joel and so much more. So I hope you enjoy this part one with Michael Mott. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me on Zoom is Michael Mott. Michael, thank you for joining me today. Yes, thank you so much. So much to talk about. This new single with Jessica Vosk, your second annual festivities at the Green Room on December 3rd, and so much more. Before we get to any of that, I want to take it back to the beginning of time for you. What were your entertainment dreams growing up? Um, wow. Okay, so I grew up actually obsessed with, well, if we go far back, I was obsessed with The Elephant Show, Sharon Lewis and Bram, okay. and was immediately singing. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was something that needed to be on television all the time. I was watching that all the time. Um, and then as I grew up, I discovered um, pop radio and Mariah Carey and Billy Joel and Boys to Men. I was obsessed with music. Hmm. And then it wasn't until high school that I got into, or like junior high, actually, I got into Saturday Night Live. Okay. And my goal was to be a cast member on SNL. And that's all I wanted. And one of my teachers in high school actually uh, encouraged me to audition for the high school musical. And so I did, then found out I actually could sing and I had a voice. And then I was completely bit by the bug. And uh, just like two or three years later, went to college for musical theater performance. So was there a def- that's how that happened. Yeah, was there a defining moment for you, a moment in time when you're like, this will be what I do? solely yeah they they thunderous applause after the high school shows fantastic (laughs) (laughs) no i mean yeah that was that was definitely that was definitely it but but you know singing brought me such freedom and release and Mm. self-expression and i'm someone that i don't want to say i'm stoic but i i conserve my emotions Mm. and music and theater is a place where I can allow those emotions to be free. And it's something that I find very easy to put down. But then when other people hear, you know, the first recording of something that I feel like is very emotional, it's very um, scary. And mm-hmm. it's very, it feels vulnerable. It feels raw. So that's when I, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I first connected when I was able to access those emotions so easily through music. Mm-hmm. What was that transition for you from performing to writing and creating? Was that well? I'd I'd always written and and been creative with my obsession with SNL. I used to make mm-hmm. my high school friends record our own Saturday Night Lives in my basement. I turned my basement into a studio. My, my poor mother, literally, I was like, no, this is where Weekend Update's gonna be. This is where the first sketch, this is the second sketch. Like I completely made my basement a studio. And I would write these sketches in my basement Monday through Friday, and then people would come over on Friday nights and we'd film Saturday Night Live, my own version of it. And I mean, I took it so seriously, <laughs> it's ridiculous. And uh, so I'd always been creating and writing. Yeah. Then simultaneously, I'd be writing parody songs, and I was obsessed with like Weird Al Yankovic, and I would be, mm-hmm. I would find a pop song of the day and then completely write my own lyric to it and 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 change that up. And then so the natural transition professionally happened for me 
I graduated college in 2007. I was a professional actor from 2007 to 2012, 2013. Mm. And in 2012, I was accepted into the BMI Lehman Angle Musical Theater Writers Workshop. Mm. And that's when everything shifted for me. And, and two years later, my first album came out where the sky ends that was released in 2014 and so that shift kind of happened around that time professionally but i'd always been creating i'd always been singing i'd always been like having my hand in kind of both worlds it just wasn't until 2014 that the the actual world got to hear it mm. and what was the was it a conscious very i mean i know you did the the bmi program but did you did you and do you still like to and want to perform, or was it a total and complete shift in your mind to go into just writing? It was a it was a total and complete <clears throat> shift in my mind, and then over the last couple of years, friends and people I've performed with have been now creating their own work <clears throat> and offering me roles. So my friend Jonathan Burke, who's a great Broadway performer, wrote a web series with two of his friends and Delius and Ahmed, and they cast me as one of the guys in that opposite Andrew Keenan Bulger. So we filmed that in, oh, I think it was in on Long Island, or in the Hamptons, I'm sorry, in the Hamptons, yeah. um, last summer, and that was wild to be back on camera. And most recently, I think they just announced it earlier this week, um, my friend Jeff Whiting, who's a director, is, is developing a brand new Cole Porter musical using songs from like like trunk songs from Cole Porter's catalog and I am playing an Italian he offered me an acting role in that and I'm playing an Italian gondolier fresh off the boat um half of my dialogue is fully in Italian it's a musical comedy and I'm terrified but I don't know I feel like it all comes back around and at the time I made the shift to be just a quote-unquote songwriter mm -hmm. I said, if I get into this BMI program, it's a two-year program, I'm going to stop acting, I'm going to focus on writing, and that's what I did. And recently now, it feels like my writing career is in like an okay place where I feel confident in it. I'm not like insecure in myself because I started so late. Um, and I have many musicals I'm writing that are all in various stages of development that is now out of my control, and it's up to producers, it's up to financing, it's up to mm -hmm. getting theaters, it's up to those things now. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I can kind of take a step back and get back to the performing a little bit. Mm. I love that, and I love I love how you're connecting these dots, because assuming we're talking about the same Jeff Whiting over at Open Jar, um, yes. the industry is tiny, and I'm curious what Very. your views are on relationships in the industry. Yeah, I mean, I work with the same people over and over and over again. Um, <laughs> I mean, if you look at my catalog, you'll see a lot of the same people repeated. And those who are not repeated, there's a reason why, you know? <laughs> oh, there it um, is. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. And that was also my, my, my ding, if you heard that. Yes. Um, you know, there's, there's people, it's all about relationships. And you want to work with good people that are kind, that are generous, and that are excited to be there and excited to work with you. Mm. And I'm excited to work with them, which is why I, I asked them in the first place. And you know, sometimes it's really not about the final product, it's about the relationship along the way. Mm. And that's why I'm so excited about my December 3rd concert at the Green Room 42, because it's all of my closest people that I've worked with over the years, people that I love and trust and I think they love and trust me or, or they're really good actors for the last decade. <laughs> um, 
So I'm doing that show with um, Jeremy Jordan, who has been my best friend for years. Teal Wicks, who we love from The Share Show and Wicked. Matt Bloyd, who is one of my favorite, favorite male uh, pop vocalists of all time. And Hannah Ellis, who um, is recently on the new Knoxville cast recording by yeah. my heroes, Aaron's and Flaherty. Yeah, I'll accept and that one. It's just great people I've worked with over the years that I will stay in touch with and, and continue to work with mm. until I can. What was the idea behind creating this annual show? Um, so I did it last year. And it went very, very, very well. Um, and I, I keep on being asked by different venues to do more concert. I, I was asked by three different venues to do concerts this year. And in my, I, my goal for 2022 was to find artistic homes and producers for each of the musicals I'm writing. That was my goal. And I didn't want to put energy into creating a concert because that takes a ton of energy. Mm unless I had a reason to. Mm. I didn't want to just like pull out, you know, my most successful or biggest songs or whatever you want to say and do them in a show. I wanted to have a reason to do that. And so the only reason that I could justify was a holiday show. That feels like, well, yeah, I have a bunch of original holiday songs. Why don't I take some traditional songs, create my own versions of them, arrangements, some mashups, and... You know, I have this, I'm so fortunate to have this incredible band that I work with and amazing top caliber Broadway musicians. And they haven't, you know, gotten sick of me yet, I don't think. And so we keep on making all these recordings from home together. Why not put together this holiday show? And so that felt like the right step for me. Um, And then once the venue agreed to it, we started having conversations about making it an annual thing and then it'll get bigger and better and more spectacular every year. I hope. Um, it will. Yeah. And it's just a nice, it's just a nice fun thing to have something to look forward to at the end of the year and just celebrate and make people feel hopeful and optimistic and cuddly and warm and all the things. We love those feelings. And I appreciate you <clears throat> jumping around so much in this conversation. I, I want to bring it oh, back. Welcome. I'm a Gemini. Yeah. <laughs> I want to bring it back to, I mean, we we're talking about relationships in the industry and how it's re- really, a, it's about kindness and being, you know, just being a good human. I'm curious what your parents taught you about kindness growing up. Oh, that's a really great question. I just had a conversation with my mother about this about a half an hour ago. Um, it. It's my mother always says to me, remember, no matter what happens, always remember to treat you know, the CEO of Sony, the same way you treat the person cleaning the toilets in the hallway at whatever, mm-hmm. wherever you are. And I not only believe that, but I feel like that has, is something that I don't even think about. It just naturally happens. Mm-hmm. And I and I do think that's a testament to my parents. Um, my my parents are not mean people. They are very passionate Italian folk, um, which is where I get that from. Um, But they are so loving and so kind. My mother will have strangers over every Christmas season. She'll be like, someone at work, you know, doesn't have a place to go, so we're going to have a seat at the table for them. That mm-hmm. I remember that growing up. And at the time when I was younger, I'd be like, ugh, I just want my family to be here. Like, why is Susan 
from accounting here, you know what I mean? Or whatever. <laughs> and, and, and now I realize I'm like, wow, those people really didn't have a place to go. And my mother always opened the door. So mm. she always set the example. And, um, my parents are divorced and they've been divorced since I was three. So I don't even remember them together, but so I, I'm referencing my mother because that was where most of my time was spent. But my father's the same way. We actually just mm. were in Mexico for my brother's wedding for a week. And my father was so loving and generous and kind. And he shows his love by inviting everyone over to our table, buying drinks for people. Like that's how he shows his love and kindness. So yeah, they really, their 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 examples are, are very apparent for me. I'm curious too, staying on this trend of lessons learned growing up, how about work ethic? Does anything come to mind from the oh. parents? Yeah, my parents own a business since I was born. And my father still, almost 70 years old, works 15 hours a day on his feet, two shoulder replacements, two knee replacements. I'm like, dad, take a break, sell this place. You don't need to be doing this. And my mother, the same thing. They work, they are, they are workhorses, both of them, which is where I think I get that from. And my, my partner in my relationship is always like, you need to take a breath and Mm. it's about balance, Michael. And I, I Mm. firmly believe I have balance in my life. But some some people do accuse me and my family of doing too too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I'm curious, you know, and it, this is great. It's like all these connect, all these questions are just connecting to each other. Because I was going to ask about work life balance, and I'm curious how you view it. Um, taking time off or not, <laughs> what does that look like? Yeah i I've experienced that now more so being in a relationship. Hmm. Um, my partners slowed me down a lot and it's been a constant internal battle for me to, you know, I'm someone who wakes up in the morning and has a routine. I need to wake up, have my cup of coffee, go to the gym Mm. and then my day can start. And he'll be like, let's just like watch something on TV and cuddle. And and I'm like, (laughs) and I'm like so anxious about not, doing that about getting my day started. And I'm like, it's 10 o'clock. Like I haven't done anything yet. Yeah. And having a full meltdown, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. And yeah. I've gotten much better at that. And then also the work life. Also, he's he's an amazing performer. He's a dancer and he has, you know, a full schedule as well. I'm talking about the days when, he, you know, he might have a day off or he doesn't go in till noon, whatever. Sure, sure, um, sure. But we, we have really kind of found, okay, we're going to reserve the weekends for us. We, we can we can make sure that like Sunday is our day to have a full day and I know that I'm not doing any work on Sunday. Mm. But Monday through Friday, I am working and Saturdays I do a lot of, I teach voice lessons. Mm. So I'll do coachings on Saturdays or, you know, it is a, it is a balance, but mm. I will try now to stop around seven, seven or eight, I'll be done and then I'm not working anymore. Mm. But it's hard because if I'm writing a musical and inspiration strikes, I might have a song in my head. The other day, I, I'm writing this new musical, The Fairy's Tale, and we did a presentation. And the presentation was on a Sunday. And on Thursday night at literally 3.47 in the morning, I woke up and had this song in my head. And I sat at the piano and I worked it out, recorded it on my phone, went back to bed, woke up again at like 7.30 and fleshed it out. You know, so you can't schedule creativity. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. 
You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore entertainmentx underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening. <laughs>